Woo! Tell you guys. Monday. Always it's always challenge getting things going on Monday. I've got everything in a kilter because I'm trying to adjust the camera and I just man, I just ran out of time. So everything's in a kilter. Got junk everywhere. Busy, busy weekend. Um for those of you I talked to, it has been a very, very busy weekend. Um not just this mess right here, um, but setting up network gear. Running access points, uh, not terminating. Mako and M took care of the termination. They got everything terminated, cleaned up. All that stuff was good. I just had to get stuff ran. So we got, we did get the Unify system up and running. So UDM, the UDM Pros up, installed, up and running. Uh, the 250 watt switch, the, the 24 port switch up and running. The, um, Flex switch up and running. Three access points up and running. Beautiful. I did the videos. Put it all together. You guys are going to see it soon. Uh, still got to put the Unify Protect in place. I've got to record that. Um, got the cameras up and running. All kinds of, you know, all kinds of stuff coming for you guys to to see how this, how easy this thing is to work. Um, it's, it's just crazy. It's crazy. It's coming in Monday morning. Coming in, seeing what's going on. What is going on in the world? Got some good people out there. Dennis is up and running. JJ is up and running. Good morning, folks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> morning, all. Yeah. I know when you hit the enter a little too soon, that happens. Um, wow. So I do definitely need my Illy coffee in this Boston Cup. Man. You know, we changed the framing. The framing is a little different. I know... Paul's going to say, that is too low. It needs to get back up high where we can see it. And I agree. Um, I don't see Paul out there. Paul's probably out there hiding in this morning. So everything's just a little bit off. And I know, deal with this being a little bit off kilter. If you look, this side of the table is higher than this side. That's because the camera over there is tilted. And last minute, I just didn't get it adjusted so that uh, we could be still live at 7.30. important to go live at 7.30 a.m. But yeah, the, gotta say, Ubiquity, you did it. You did it right. Not only is the package, uh, package, packaging nice. It's like Apple stuff. You know, Apple stuff is just it, it's nice. Uh, it's it's nice like that. It everything works well. You adopt something. You bring it in. You can apply uh, access points. We just put three access points in. They're all power over Ethernet. Once I got them all set up, in. UDM, you set up the wireless network, and you just apply that to all three access points, and bang, Bob's your uncle, and away you go. Um, congratulations, JJ. Passed uh, the AWS Solutions Architect on Saturday. No easy feat, by the way. Uh, and now on to the CISSP. Again, CISSP is no easy feat either. So congratulations, JJ. Big round of applause for that. Good job. Those aren't easy, and people look at some of these certifications and think that's it. It's just AWS. But until you sit for some of those things, it's not. It's not just AWS. It's 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 those are tough exams, and needed in the market today, um, especially those cloud security certifications. I'm telling you, Solutions Architect, even the 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 fundamentals. Uh, it's not fundamentals. AWS practitioner, practitioner exam not at cakewalk and uh obviously hopefully jj on your long-term plan somewhere is that aws security solutions uh certification i forget aws certifications their names elude me a bit um congrat big old congratulations to you so we got a lot a lot going on uh there's a ton going on in the news i i harvested the best i picked the the best things out for you guys i found um, <laughs> I love when people try to do a FaceTime call right at 7.30. You know that's not, I'm not going to answer the phone at 7.30. I can't. Um, yeah, big old congratulations. Dennis is saying congratulations too. So yeah, that's awesome. I have to change that font, that yellow, it doesn't work. Um, doesn't work in the morning on that, that light yellow color. So, 
We've got about four or five stories today for you. Harvested cold from the news that's out there. So let's roll the intro and we will get to the news. That brings, that's that's your, your morning tune, lets you know we're getting ready to talk, start talking about news. We're going to talk about this stuff. We're going to see what is the, the haps, uh, what's going on in the world of cyber, your world of cyber, what you need to know uh, today. And some, you know, today I'm going to say today is, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Voice from the sky. Today, some of these articles are just the, yeah, yeah, really. So first up in the hopper today is Lennox. Um and this is from ZDNet. Um, there we go, Dennis. Uh, hasn't came through. Dennis is saying, there we go. We're going to CCSP. Uh, let's see if we can change that color real quick before we continue on so we can actually see what's going on. Where does it put the color wheel? There we go. Let's change that thing to bright white. And we can see it. We're going to CCSP from ISC squared. Uh, cloud is the way to go. Cloud's the way to go. But to get there, it's all, it all, the cloud is just, you know, your stuff running on someone else's computer. So that's the way it is. That's what's going on. Um, what in the world? I don't know. Okay. Um, this is the, the this is the stories you, you gotta know. Um, they're the things that just, it, it's the uh, we'll talk. I guess this morning we'll change this. Tomorrow, this morning is the morning of myths because that's how we're going to finish it. Um, this first article from ZDNet. Uh, this surprise Linux malware shows that hackers are changing their targets. Um, and really, if you check this article out from ZDNet, it's talking about the fact that Russian hackers are targeting Linux systems. So the revel revelation from the FBI national and National Security Agency that Russia military intelligence has been targeting malware Linux systems seems the latest dramatic twist in the unrelenting cybersecurity battle. Um, the story goes on to say, the two agencies have revealed that Russian hackers have been using previously undisclosed mal uh, malware for the Linux system called Dravop. Dravorub uh, is Russian, okay. Um, as part of their cyber espionage operations. The, um, the malware allows attackers to steal files and take over devices. Um, and this is no, it's no earth-shattering revelation here. The way that attackers look at the world is, let's look at the largest chunk of devices that we can attack for the least expense. And that least expense is either money to buy tools or time it takes to develop tools. And for a long, long time, that massive chunk of the internet, that massive chunk of computing power has always been Windows. Um, so if you develop malware, you're going to develop it for Windows, right? That makes sense because the same money, same amount of time you put into it, developing an attack for 5% of the market, you can put that in and get 90% of the market. So why not go for the 90? So that's why people always attack Windows because it's 90% of the market share. It just is. But now we have to think, okay, back-end servers are running Linux. And the other thing that's huge now is the Internet of Things. These IoT devices almost all run Linux operating systems. So Linux is gaining more and more market share. Whether you know Linux or not, you're running Linux devices. Um, so, you know, that, that single mother in... Hartford, Connecticut, and the family out in Manhattan, Kansas, they're all running these Linux devices on their networks, and they just don't know it. You know, they, they just don't know they're there. So now that the Linux is gaining market share, it's becoming a more and more attractive target. So, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, Linux folks, Mac folks would say, I don't need antivirus. I don't need any malware because my system's a Linux system. I don't get attacked. Well, that's always been a fallacy because the applications that run on those platforms, especially Adobe, you know, Acrobat Reader, Flash Player, they're all susceptible to attack. So 
that's always been kind of a fallacy. But now more than ever, um, you have to run malware. You have to keep your system patched and updated. And you can't really run malware on these Internet of Things devices. What you have to do is you have to keep them updated and you have to keep them patched. So you have to keep a track of things. And, you know, 20 years ago, I don't think I'd be telling you guys, make sure your light bulbs are patched. But today, that's a very real thing. You're running Philips Hue light bulbs, the GE light bulbs, light bulbs from Ikea. They're smart light bulbs. They work well. They are built for convenience. And that's as security and risk and cyber people, we have to make sure that we're dealing with the change in environment that people are moving more towards these smart devices. And we have to be able to say, okay, I've got friends, family, coworkers. They've got those Amazon Echo devices, they've got the Google, they've got a Apple Home, they've got smart light bulbs, they've got Arlo cameras, they've got all these things. How do we help protect them? And that's how we, that's number one thing is, you know, keep them patched, keep them updated. And if you're running a smart network, the ability to do that, or maybe just two networks, keep them segmented, keep those Internet of Things devices separated from your computers. And maybe that, maybe that's just running two different wireless networks. That's a possibility. Um, obviously, I'm going to just talk about it. I don't get any money from Ubiquity. I don't get any free product from Ubiquity. But their products work, and you can build VLANs. You can segment out your Internet of Things devices and have them separate from your computers. And, and that's one of the things we need to do with these Linux stuff. If it's a full-on Linux operating system, have malware on it. Regardless of what it is, keep it updated and keep it patched. The people want to take your systems over because they want to use them for something. So they want to use them to harvest your data. They want to use them to encrypt your files uh, so they can get money from you. They want to use your device for some malicious activity, such as Bitcoin mining or attacking other sites or moving laterally around your network. Keep your stuff secure. And that's what this is all about. You know, Linux is not bulletproof. It never has been. Um, and now more than ever, it's getting a larger market share. So as it gets a larger market share, it's going to become more and more of a target. So that's the Lennox story. Um, Dennis said he's been working on CCSP, which is the ISC squared certification. JJ is saying that certainly on his list after CISSP. Uh, and I'll use the CCSP for the CEUs, uh, continuing education units. Of course, you got to plan those out because nothing worse than getting your certification yanked because you didn't do your CEUs. Um, and they will do that. For good folks at IAC Squared will definitely pull your credentials if you don't keep up with your required um, required CEUs. That's for sure. Um, next up, their friends. The Lazarus Group, uh, we know this is um, APT38. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, any other tag? I agree, I agree, Dennis. Um, botting your, yeah, they installing installing bots on your, on your computers and using it for other attacks, including distributed denial of service, denial of service attacks, like Dennis is saying here. Definitely uh, one of the things, you know, they're just going to do bad. They want to take your machine and do bad things with it. And that's one of them. Yeah, they can use it to move laterally, attack other things, including, yeah, that. Distributed denial of service, denial of service, using it as part of a botnet campaign. Heck, even just using your machine to send spam out. Um, all kinds of things they can do once they get in. So don't let them in. That's the big thing. So Lazarus, our, our, our friends from North Korea, we know them as APT38. Um, if you're in Trivia Night, that would have got you a point because we talked about Lazarus. We talked actually about APT38. What is it? Um, often confused with uh, Fancy Bear or Cozy Bear 2829. Um, but APT38, also known as Hidden Cobra, keeping your APTs straight in your mind. So since the beginning of 2020 this year, the North Korean linked threat group known as Lazarus has successfully compromised dozens of organizations in Israel and other countries, targeting their their <laughs> targeting their employees with appealing job offers. Um, Clear skies the reporting this week. It's not a new story. This has been going on for a while. These campaigns have been going on. This looks like another leg 
of the same campaign. And what are these guys? These guys are calling it. They got a different code name for it. Um, I can't. Let me see. Uh, oh, dream, they're calling it Operation Dream Jobs. Um, I can't remember. This already got a, a code name. This uh, this attack vector has already got a code name, but uh, these guys want to have their own code name for it. They're calling it Dream Jobs. Pretty pretty uh, slick uh, code name, Dream Jobs, because we know if you've been watching the Good Morning Alex, uh, if you've been watching the Cup of Cyber, you know the the way this attack goes is they are sending malicious job offers to people in defense and technology industry areas and they're trying to take over their devices um this this article does a good job and this is by um security week of course um goes in talking a little bit more about, about the ttps of a apt38 or lazarus as they go through this attack so the hacking group is known for using a variety of malware, including the recently developed Mata framework um, and a significant number of Mac malware families. So again, patch your Mac, patch your Linux. Over the past couple of years, the US Cyber Command has shared various malware samples associated with the group. Um, camp is, campaign's been successful. Uh, it's been in place since the beginning of the year and it's succeeded. Israel, they've targeted Israel in this in this case. Uh, the North Koreans have targeted Israel. Israel's saying, nah, they didn't really get in. But Clear Skies is saying, yeah, they did. And they're calling it dream jobs because they're offering these, these great jobs uh, from aerospace and defense and aerospace industries within the United States, like BAE, Boeing, McDonnell Douglas, Lockheed Martin, any of these companies, they're offering these dream jobs. Um, attackers spend weeks or even months gaining the victim's trust by conducting conversations by personal email, instant message applications, and even through voice calls over the phone or over WhatsApp. Um, and then finally, at the end game, when they work all the way through this, they finally send the, the loaded document over and the victim is tricked into opening the malicious attachment. So big thing to list to, to follow on this one is the amount of time this group is willing to put in to spear phishing an individual camp campaign uh, attack victim. So they're spending months, weeks or months, targeting somebody, cultivating that relationship, sending email, doing calls, really making it look like it's a real job. Um, very, you know, we're gonna talk about this in our last um, story this morning. Um, it, it's one of the myths is that you'll be able to see these things coming. It takes true diligence to stay on top of these things. Um, so the story finishes out, um, a successful infection allowed actors, attackers to collect information on the company's activity as well as its financial affairs, likely in pre preparation for future attacks aimed at stealing money from the victim's organizations. Um, in a quote from, uh, no, it's just a quote from Clear Sky. I thought they had a, a Person they were quoting was just a quote from Clear Sky. We assess this to be this year's main offensive campaign by the Lazarus Group, and it embodies the sum of the group's accumulative knowledge on infiltration into companies and organizations around the globe. Our estimation is the group operates dozens of research and intelligence personnel to maintain the the campaign globally. Uh, yeah, and we know. One of the big things Lazarus, Lazarus does, in, in addition to harvesting intelligence and, and information, is they're gaining money for the North Korean regime. Um, so they do this through different attacks, like ransomware attacks, um, stealing information. Um, that's the, they, they are, their big goal is to keep the North Korean government in, in operation. So um, intelligence and money are the biggest things they're bringing back to the, the government. Um, and this is their main campaign. We've seen it targeted the United States. Um, many people out here in the, the D.C. area are have probably been targeted by these folks. And, and just think about, you know, that long trail. They've used months to build a relationship with somebody to finally spring this trap on them, to get in where they need to get in. So 
you know, if you are in the job market, which I know people are, and people, some people are continually in the job market. If you're a consultant or a contractor, you're kind of continually in the job market. You're always in the job market. Um, be aware of these things. Sometimes those dream jobs, you know, make sure, you know, if you, if you could reach back out to, you know, you get it from Lockheed Martin, maybe try to figure out, hey, get with Lockheed Martin. Does this person really work for you? It becomes a little more complicated because a lot of these companies, Lockheed Martin, Boeing, a BAE, Donald Douglas, a lot of times they'll use a third party, a headhunter, a recruiting firm to initially do these reach outs. So that could be part of the cover. It's like, oh, well, we don't actually work for BAE. We're a, head, we're a resource firm for BAE that they contract with us. There could be a long story behind this. So be diligent. Watch out what you're, what you're opening, right? So what they want to do is they want to, you know, again, they want to take over your computer. Uh, same, same as the last cats. They want to take over your computer. They want to do all those things that we talked about before, you know, including what Dennis said, running that botnet on your computer and uh, using it to do denial of service, distributed denial of service, sending out spam, move lateral around the network, whatever. Keep your system patched. Keep it updated. Um, keep it uh, um, your malware updated and, and current. Those are all things we need to do. Those are all important security things we need to do. So make sure we do them and, and make sure your friends, your families, coworkers, your organization is all following that trend too. Um, again, this is something that needs to be on your personal risk radar. Uh, be thinking about when somebody offers you a job, can you validate they're really from that organization? Um, there's a number of ways to do that. Uh, one thing is, you know, is that job posting actually on, you know, the career path or career page of that, that organization? You know, maybe ask, and, and, and it, it's not foolproof because the attacker, these guys are not, they're, they're not going to be easy to spot. So they may take an actual job posting from, from BAE or Lockheed Martin, one of these places, and use that actual job posting offering you the job. Um, so you may be able to go back and validate, is there really a job offer there? That's what may be the first step is, hey, give me the job number. I'm going to go check it out on the, on their webpage, make sure it really exists. But that's not foolproof. That means that the jobs there, they may just be using that as um, as the bait to get you in there. Try to see if they're really from that organization. Ask them, are you a Lockheed Martin employee? Are you a, a BAE employee? Or are you you know a, a subcontractor or something like that that's a research, a headhunter firm? Get them to, if, they if they say they're a, like a Boeing employee, then see if they see if they actually work for Boeing. Uh, they're going to use a long, drawn-out attack to get to you, so you have to make sure your defenses are the same way. So Lazarus out there, big their big goal is to get money, uh, get information. Those are two big things they want to do, and though any any system they're going to get, they're going to do that with. It looks like this is very, very targeted. So this is spear phishing, uh, a very targeted campaign. So. Lazarus is out there and and needs to be um, on your radar, man. Keep keep uh, keep an eye out, Dharma. And I, I know you guys are gonna say that's not that's not the Dharma ransomware logo. That's that logo from Lost. Um, and you're right. That's the that's the Lost logo for Dharma. Um, for Dharma. A lot of these ransomware campaigns don't have a logo. You know, like Maze. Maze has a logo. Maze is like a corporation. They're 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 out there. Um, but Dharma doesn't have one. So I stole this from the the Dharma Initiative from from Lost. Uh, this this article is from C I S O C I S O N. Uh, so N is from India. Um, so Dharma ransomware attacking SMBs. Average loss is uh, rupees six point four lakh, which means. Um, uh, Eight eight thousand six hundred twenty U.S. dollars is the average ransomware that Dharma's getting, and I probably messed up the the whole Indian currency system, so I apologize if any if I didn't mean to intend anybody trying to use the right terms from the article, and I should have just jumped into it. So in New Delhi, a small and medium-sized businesses are witnessing increased ransomware attacks globally, including in India. This year, the ransom demands have reached nearly. $8,620 on average in the pandemic times. And that that $8,500, we'll call it $8,500, is really a point that we need to pay attention to. We've seen these big $45,000, 
$100,000, these big payoffs by big companies. And I've been saying this for weeks now, is we're going to see a trend where these things start targeting more small and, and medium-sized businesses, um, especially Dharma. If you remember Dharma, Dharma is um, the affiliate program, right? So they run their own attacks, but they, you can also license the, the Dharma ransomware as, as ransomware as a service and be essentially a ransomware script kitty. Um, I'm going to say it, Dennis. I'll just throw it out there. I know ransomware script kitty. I don't know if that's a term or not, but we know script kitty is. Um, so the article goes on to say the Dharma ransomware as a service, or RAAS, attacks are troubling small and mid-sized businesses during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, cybersecurity firm Sophos has witnessed an 85% uh, of such attacks focusing on exposed tools like RDP or remote desktop protocol. Uh, Dharma is like fat, like a <laughs> Dharma is a fast food franchise franchise ransomware widely and easily available. Just about anyone can get it. Um, that's from Sean Gallagher, threat researcher at Sophos. Uh, what's worrying enough, uh, excuse me. <laughs> okay. That's worrying enough in itself in normal times, but right now with many businesses adopting to the pandemic and accommodating the need for rapid support for remote workers and IT staff stretched thin, the risk from these attacks are magnified, Gallagher went on. So Dharma has been around since 2016, one of the most profitable ransomware families around due to its mass marketing service-based model. Uh, this, is the, this is the Amway of, of ransomware. Once Dharma can consume, uh, once Dharma customers known as affiliates have purchased the tool uh, and compromised their target, they will rely mostly on a menu-driven PowerShell script um, and, and it identifies itself as a toolbox and launches attack with the message, have fun, bro. Have fun, bro. Uh, you're going to destroy someone's life. Uh, you maybe destroy someone's business. Uh, you may be destroying what somebody has worked for their entire life. Um, but have fun, bro. Uh, go make your $8,000, right? Sophos occasionally observed that affiliates are holding back some of the information as leverage to make additional ransom demand. So, you know, they're going to get their initial 8000 Maybe they're going to keep a couple juicy pits of information. Because remember, this is this is the program that can pull data off before it's encrypted. Um, and we can use that as you know, as, as a way to get them to pay. Oh, you, you have backups? That's good. Good. Glad you have backups. But we're going to put all your information online. Um, how do you like that? Now pay us. Um, so the key to avoid such ransomware is to shut down internet-facing remote desktop protocols, RDP, to deny criminals access to the networks. If you need RDP, put it behind a VPN concentrator. Yeah. So if you, if you have to have RDP up and running, put it behind a concentrator somewhere you have to get maybe multi-factor authentication to get into the network, to get to the RTP connection to start with, right? Check that you have a full inventory of all devices connected to your network and always install the latest security updates as soon as they're released um, on the devices and servers on your network. That's what the researchers got to say about that. Um, Dennis, I keep hearing the bad cyber news from everywhere. Do you think the good bad guy ratio is still dichotomous. You are using big big words on a Monday morning. Uh, the dichotomy of, of the this um, the attacker to the defender, you know, it's interesting you say that because a few, probably three or four weeks ago, we talked about darknet sites that used to be very, very restrictive on letting people in are now creating other like subdomains that they let less qualified hackers into and they're developing kind of a mentorship program to build, you know, build people into these, these roles. Um, so I think the dichotomy is ab about the same. I think as we are dealing with a shortage of defenders, I think the attackers are starting to feel the pinch. They're seeing a shortage of attackers as well. And that's probably, you know, on our side, it's, it's just, we don't have enough qualified people. That's probably true on their side. They're building a lot of these tools to be you know, like like 
like Dharma here. You know, sign up for it. We already we got it packaged for you. You can go use it um, and go make your money. Maybe they just don't. There's not enough qualified attackers. That's a weird thing to say. I know. And we saw in that story, and I'll have to dig out the link to that story, but we saw in that story that they're actually using these these kind of script kiddies, these noob hackers, uh, and they're mentoring them. They're bringing them along. They're teaching them the tools of the trade to keep that program moving forward, right? And a lot of times these like Maze, uh, Dharma, these are organizations. Uh, and we see the same thing with like the APTs, like we're talking about Lazarus early, earlier, APT38. That's state-sponsored. So they're, I think... I think it's it's you know it goes back and forth right on our side we can't we can't find people we can't pay people enough to stay in the field sometimes uh, some organizations have a hard time with that especially the government because they're banded by how much you can pay the other side they're probably feeling pressure from people going to jail people getting caught uh, people getting locked up that's probably the pressure they're feeling on their side because as you've seen with this stuff there's a, the ability to make a lot of money but the risks are very high. And by no means take that to mean I think you should go out and be a bad guy, go out and be a, a, a black hat, a hacker, a script kitty that's buying Dharma and doing that. I think that's the wrong thing. Hone your skills, go to work for either, you know, your own shingle, uh, an organization that, you know, that you believe in um, and, and go protect them. So, yeah, great question, Dennis. That's an awesome question. I think, I think you know, the ratios, the dichotomy, the, that back and forth, it, I think it's staying relatively stable. I think we're seeing a lot more organized organized crime on the hacker front. I, things are becoming more solidified into groups and organizations, whether they're state-sponsored or they're criminal organizations. I think it's getting more, more organized. Um, and that's dangerous too, of course. That's my view. Let me know what you guys think. Am I, am I off my rocker? I'd like to know um, is that just totally wrong? Is it, uh, is it that there's way more hackers now than there were before? Is there, do we have way more defenders now than there were before? I, I, I know we're about 2 million short this year coming up. Um, that's and globally 2 million short. So there's plenty of room for people in the field. They just need to be qualified, right? And get those people that are trained and educated and certified. We see the government kind of backing off from college the college requirements on a lot of their jobs. They'd rather have the, the people that are actually, and I'm not saying you don't get education or you don't get skills from college. You do for sure. But when you come out of college, you have the knowledge, but you maybe don't have the hands-on experience. It looks like the government is switching that around and looking for more hands-on experience going forward. They're, they're de-emphasizing college and emphasizing hands-on experience uh, a little more. It's just to get get people in. You spend four years in college. I've, I've, I've done this. I've done this. Spent four years in college. You come out, and a lot of stuff you learn the first couple of years in technology is just outdated. Uh, you know, uh, that's that's right. That's that's Jim's Jim's view of the world, though. I could be I could be totally wrong. I'd love to hear your 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 thoughts on my thoughts. Um, so backwards, always backwards. The Canadian Revenue Agency. Has temporarily shut down services, online services, uh, because of two cybersecurity attacks that compromised thousands of, of accounts links to its services. Um, this is by CBC, um, this article. So the breaches have been contained, um, but uh, the CRA websites have been disabled uh, as an additional security measure. The shutdown means that anyone attempting to apply for emergency COVID-19 benefits um, will be unable to do so until further notice. It's crazy. You know, uh, I'm sure a lot of people are in dire straits because they can't apply for those benefits. The agency said that as of August 14, about 5,500 accounts have been affected by separate attacks. Um, Christopher Duty wrote in a duty. That's uh, funny. I'm, I'm, I'm still I'm still a eighth grade kid at heart. Um the CRA quickly identified the impacted accounts and disabled access to these accounts to ensure the safety and security of the taxpayer information. That's from, that's from duty. Um, the CRA is continuing to analyze both instances. Law enforcement assistance had been requested from the RCMP, Royal Canadian Mounted Police, 
Dudley duty Dudley do right of the Mounties, of course, if you're you're of my generation. Um, an investigation has been initiated, so uh, it's bad stuff. This this attack, <laughs> and we've talked about this before. This is credential stuffing. This is how they breached the system. So it was nothing that the CRA did wrong. It was users that users and probably some admins too. Um, so credential stuffing, we know that people reuse their accounts. People reuse passwords. And if one database is breached with that password and that username, uh, the attacker is going to probably gra grab that and try that account combination on different sites. And we know this can be automated now. So we can put that username and that password into a tool, and it will try a bunch of different sites to see if that username or or variations on that username and that password or variations on that password will work to get them into other sites. So of the roughly 12 million active GC key accounts in Canada, the passwords and usernames of 9,041 users were acquired fraudulently and used to try to access government services, a third of which access such services are being further examined for suspicious activity. Um, compromised accounts were connected to the platform, which was used by about 30 federal departments, and they were shut down when this was first discovered. Um, so this fraud is not uncommon. So credential stuffing is one of the things we need to, to watch out for. And this is one of the things we got to, you know, harp on to our friends, our families, our coworkers, and our organization. Reusing passwords, while it's, it's, Easy to create. Once you create that complex password, it's easy to reuse that for several sites. But one site, once it's breached, means that all of those those sites, you need to change the password. You need to go update all the passwords. So it's better to use different passwords on every site. And I know this is hard, um, and you're not going to do it manually. Most people aren't going to do it manually. So use some type of password vault. And we see there's a lot of uh, Norton or Symantec. I know their, their antivirus, their malware platform, when you pay for that service, you also get a password vault. Um, there's other password vaults. Uh, pass, uh, what is it? Um, I have to think of some. Some of you guys may throw them up on the screen. Um, there's a lot of pass, pass vaults out there. I can't think of uh, any of them right now, of course, because that's just the way it goes. Um, yeah, use these vaults. Use different complex passwords random com com complex passwords on all your different sites, put them in a password vault that is synchronized and protected by a really strong password itself, or even better, multi-factor authentication, um, so you can get to these things and use a, 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 a vault that is accessible from your desktop, your laptop, your mobile device, so you can keep them synchronized across those devices because you need to, it, it's not gonna work unless it's usable, right? People do this thing. They reuse their passwords because it's easy. Um, once they come up with a complex password, they remember it, and they use it on different sites. That's what happens. So you have to have something like a password vault where maybe that system generates a big old honking complex password that means nothing to anyone. It's all random, and you store it in a vault, and every time you go to use it, the vault provides the password for you. I think that's the best way to go. Is it perfect? I don't think it's 100% perfect, but it's a lot better than reusing passwords. Um, it just it just is. Because due to no fault of your own, one of these companies gets a breach. Next thing you know, that password that you've done used on 100 sites is now available to anyone that wants to try to, to use it. So definitely think about that. Um, craziness. So, yep, it's happened in Canada, happened in Israel, happens in the United States. Things are, are going awry everywhere. And uh, our last story today, um, Fox News of, of all places. Um, this is kind of a good article. 10 cybersecurity cyber myths you need to stop believing. And this is a good one to share with your friends, your family, your coworkers. Um, there are 10 things that you probably already know, right? Um, here's a sub, the uh, sub topic or subheading of this is we hear about cybercrime so often that we can it can quickly turn into white noise, and that's a mistake. So this is a rundown of the top 10 things, top 10 myths around cybersecurity, right? 
I don't have anything worth protecting. Well, you know, the, the article says you're broke. No one cares about your data, right? That's not true. Um, the Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, they all work on information. Um, they sell your information to marketers. Your information is making them millions of dollars. Hackers want in on that, so they want in on your data. Protect it. Um, number two, I use security software, so I'm fine. Uh, and a lot of people think there's this invincible shield between you and the hackers because you're using security software. So you've got to do other things besides just use security software. You have to keep your operating system and your software applications updated and patched. Uh, this includes your phone and your tablet. Don't forget about the router and the other devices you have on your network. That all has to be secured as well. Um, make sure you're using the right security software. Use something that is... Um, there's proven to be good, right? Uh, I saw a little cartoon, I guess it was on, it was probably on the Facebook this morning, where the guy, little cartoon guy is saying, you know, I'm my, someone steal my data, free software, or free antivirus help me. And the next little cartoon was the free antivirus coming in with the cape. And then the last one was the free antivirus helping the attacker carry the data out of the network. It's kind of, I should save that. I'll, I'll see if I can find it and repost it. Um, three, with all these data breaks, with all these data breaches, you have nothing left to protect. Um, so, you know, I'm on the list. Uh, I feel hopeless. There's no point in protecting it since my data has already been taken. Um, that's not true because there are different type of breaches that affect different people in different ways. There are different impacts to all of them. Just because you've been breached in, in one breach, and I'll use like OPM. Um, a lot of us have been hit by OPM. Because you've been breached by OPM doesn't mean you don't need to protect your data. OPM got a ton of information from a ton of people, but you still need to protect your data. You still need to do it. Um, this fourth one ties into what we we're talking about earlier, especially with Lazarus Group. Phishing scams are easy to, pot, easy to spot. Um, phishing scams are becoming more sophisticated uh, as they use spear phishing and targeted techniques to go after very specific people. Um, the article says, very realistic-looking extortion scams are also making rounds. The subject contains your email address and a password that looks familiar. The sc scammer says, unless you pay up, they will release a video of you that they took using your webcam when you visit a porn site. Um, this, you know, this may have hit some of you. It's just, it's junk mail. It's, again, it's part of this, it's not really stuffing, but it's using that same data that they found on a breach site. They're putting it into a, a, a phishing email, and they're sending it to 10,000 people hoping some people send them money. Um, that's that's all that is. But we've seen, in, like Lazarus, these phishing scams are not so easy to spot. They are, they're getting more and more complex. Number five, my friends on social media won't hurt me. Um, your friends won't, but sometimes your friends, and that's why we say we have to take care of our friends, our families, our coworkers, and our organization, right? Um, say our friends use weak passwords. Their account gets breached. They send you a private message um, about a cool video or something. You click it, and then their breach has become your problem now. So it's almost like supply chain, right? You got to keep supply chain strong. You got to keep your friends list strong too. Make sure they're know they know they've got to you know update things, keep them current, right? Um, your friends' bad habits on the internet could turn in a breach, turn into a jumping point to breaches on your system. So be aware of that. Hackers, number six, hackers are mysterious, scary figures. And, and this goes on to say, as you guys know, a lot of hackers are regular people and can be hard to spot. They're no longer just lone wolves, right? Um, as we talked about, their entire organizations crafted around these hack attacks. Hack attacks. Um, you know, these are these are state-sponsored. They're mobsters. They're organized criminals. Um once you realize how dire dire the threat is, it becomes easy to understand why it's important to take steps towards cybersecurity. Don't be disheartened, though. That's right. Attacks by association. That's right. Attacks by association. They uh, <laughs> Attacking your friends. Number seven, I only go on mainstream sites, so I don't need security software. Um, yeah, you need security software no matter where you go. Remember... What I said earlier, the article goes on to say, how social media apps sell their data, make their money. 
Um, there are more cookies on your browser. Uh, you're being followed around everywhere you go. Multiple sites have your profile that increases chances of your data being breached. Clear your cookies out. Uh, don't just let them pile up because, you know, a lot of these sites are supposed to make non-persistent cookies so they don't stay on your system so long. Uh, they can make that non-persistence a whole long time, or they can just avoid the fact that they're not, not supposed to be persistent and just make them persistent anyways. So we want to make sure you clean your cookies out. Get a habit of doing that. Get on a, the frequency that makes sense for you. Could be daily, could be weekly, could be monthly. Whatever works for your risk profile, clean your cookies out of your browser. Friends, family, coworkers, same thing. I use complex passwords. Um, story says even long, complicated passwords aren't enough to keep you safe in today's security landscape. We know this because they're breaches of databases and we use the same passwords across multiple sites. That makes it vulnerable. Nowadays, there are speedy programs that reuse billions of password combinations. It only takes seconds to run potential passwords. Um, not only that, but hackers have sophisticated methods for identifying passwords we use in password creation. Um, so using, start talking about breaking, hacking, cracking passwords. Um, yeah, there are programs that run billions uh, of combinations a second. Millions, I guess I said billion. Bill, millions of combinations a second to break your password. Um, that's offline attacks, right? I'm worried you, complex passwords are not enough because there's breach sites also, and that's not in this article. Those breach sites, if your data is in one of these breach sites and you have a complex password you've used across multiple different sites, uh, that's been compromised now, right? Uh, use a password manager and two-factor authentication when you can. Number nine, I know a fake voice when I hear one. Uh, you've probably heard the scammers will call you with robotic voices pretending to be the IRS. They demand money. Maybe you've gotten one of the calls yourself. You may think you can recognize a robotic voice. Unfortunately, robocallers are improving their techniques. Deep fake technology. And we've seen this where you can put a face on someone else. And I've got a friend of mine that almost every day he'll put his face on different weird movie actors. Um, a lot of times being, you know, action stars or women or whatever. And uh, it's deep fake technology. It doesn't just work for video. They can also copy voices now. Um, scary. It's like uh, Total Recall, right? Is it Total Recall? No, Running Man. Sorry. I knew it was Schwarzenegger movie. Like Running Man, when they put the grid over the guy and they made it look like Schwarzenegger got killed when he really didn't. Um, we're getting closer and closer to that being a reality, which it, you know, more than likely in some, some places it may already be. And number 10, I will know when something bad gets on my computer or my device. Uh, cyber criminals work in stealth. When they're done doing their deeds, there's no flag that pops up. Uh, they have intricate ways of infiltrating and exfiltrating data. Um, can even be Trojan horses in the form of viruses lurking on your in your code right now. Uh, now that you're aware of the 10 top most common security myths, you're better equipped to recognize misinformation spread by hackers who want to keep you vulnerable. Um, good article in the show notes. Again, it's by, what did I say, Fox News, I think. Uh, Fox News, yeah. That might be one you want to share with your friends, your family, coworkers. Let them know that, hey, here's some things you can do. And there's some links in there um, to see if they've been breached. Um, there's links in there to the top um, top tools you can use and top antivirus, that kind of stuff. Um, there's good links in there. Um, cyber Security News, Fox News Live, it's in the show notes. Um, maybe a good one to share with your friends, your family. And... You know, I won't leave you without giving you a crazy holiday to talk around the water cooler. Today, National Thrift Shop Day. Um, always held on August 17th. There's no proof that this is a national day. They can't find any proclamation that it was made a national day. But um, are you looking for a great deal? National Thrift Shop Day is a way to find a real bargain. A thrift shop is an old term for stores that sell items that are deeply dis discounted merchandise, not always the highest quality, but the price is right. You know these stores better as uh, discount department store and dollar stores. Uh, watch for sales and special days at thrift shops in celebration of National Thrift Shop Day. If you're an owner, create a sale around this special day and watch your August sales sizzle. Um, obviously, we see resa resale stores. Um, Goodwill's got a big story on National Thrift Shop Day. 
um, it's a, a thrift shop. Um, so some people have to go here. Um, no harm in that. Sometimes you just, I know people that go to, especially like the Goodwills, um, Salvation Army thrift shops, looking for collector items, um, movies, uh, baseball cards, toys, games. Some of these things are worth a ton of money. And a lot of times they get donated to these thrift shops because people just don't know what they're worth. I know people that go around and check these places out looking for specific things uh, in a circuit like every weekend or whatever. Sometimes they make really good money doing that. I'm not saying that I want you to change your job. I need you here. need you doing this job. But uh, there's people that do that. Don't, don't think they don't. So um, that's your rundown for the day. I always, always, always appreciate the conversation. I always appreciate you adding the comments to the chat. It helps keep things going. It gives the different perspective on things. Brings up thing like Dennis brought up a point about uh, DDoS and DOS. Obviously, yeah, that's a good point. Great question on dichotomy. JJ, congratulations again. Alex, good th good to see you this morning. Um, just it, it's just it's Monday, so you got to go a full week ahead of you. What are you going to do with this week to make it better? I think, you know, Dennis is probably going to work on a CCSP. JJ's going to be work starting that CISSP study. Um, what do you guys got going? I'm, I'm, I'm in the Amazon world myself. I'm working on Amazon certifications because that's that's the way we go. Uh, RMS stuff, you see the start, RMS stuff start dropping today. Um, you see videos start dropping today on the RMF track. Um, RMF 2.0. Uh, NIST 837 Revision 2, the new stuff, going deep. We're going deep into um, why we do the RMF, what the RMF's all about. First couple, first 10 videos or so are not, don't really touch the RMF other than talking about it, talking about NIST, talking about the cap, uh, setting the stage for what the RMF is all about. Good morning. Thanks for sacrifice with standing up this program. Not a sacrifice if I get to talk to you guys, KOD. Um, good to see you this morning. Um, yeah, sac sacrifice getting up early in the morning. That is a rough one for sure. But I was like, once I get down here, once we start talking, I love talking to you guys. I love the information, the feedback I get from you guys because it is it, it is rough. When we first started the show, when we had uh, – Nobody, sometimes just me talking to the empty air, it's disheartening. But now, now we're getting folks that are, are the regulars, folks here every morning talking about this stuff. And I appreciate that. Um, it's awesome to see you guys. I love that picture. you flying over the clouds. That's awesome. But anyways, thanks for being here this morning. Um, thanks for putting up with my little bit off-kilter screen. We'll get that fixed. We'll get the, uh, the camera set. But anyways... Until tomorrow, 7.30, we'll be back, a.m. Uh, no trivia this week. Trivia is next week, but uh, be careful out there. Uh, Mike Sierra Bravo there, we'd tell you to go get some. Uh, got a question here. Let's see. What's the standard for preparing application containers for an ATO? Uh, talking about a container, I would treat a container just like any other system, right? The boundary is what you need to be, be careful of. So... The boundary of the container should be that Docker container, right? And we can have that. We could have it as um, it's possible to be one big system, right? Uh, that's that's always the challenge for building the boundaries uh, for our ATO. So what I would say, and this is the way I would do it, um, depending on how your organization is set, you may have one boundary that's set at the operating system. So Linux may be a, a boundary. Right, so Linux, maybe I use the type accreditation for all Linux systems. Maybe the same thing for Docker. Maybe have a type accreditation for all Docker, and then that application system is the container itself. The boundary of the container for your ATO would be that container, and then I would um, have that application owner be responsible for everything within the container, and then they would inherit everything else from the organization, the operating system owner the Docker container owner, and then whatever's left with, they would be responsible for. Um, that's how I'd look at it. Docker, yep. So let's throw this up there. Hey, Matt, everyone's looking good this morning. Um, 
Docker. Yeah, Matt, if, if you talk about Docker itself, yeah, I'm 100% uh, with Matt on this one. If we're talking about Linux or if we're talking about Docker itself, there's benchmarks out there. Go check out the Center for Internet Security um, benchmark for Docker. But if you're talking about the application within Docker itself or any container system, you can draw that boundary around the application because that's what we want the container to be, right? We want the container to be a security boundary for the application. We gotta make sure that that can't leak out, right? So we have to check, check, just like if we had a, a, a computer on a network and we're, we're accrediting that computer separate from the network, we'd wanna make sure that we know the data flows between the container, um, the application and the Docker, Docker itself, right? So that's how I do it. Matt, you have a, a experience in this maybe. Uh, can you show any insight? Uh, let me know what you think uh, of that approach. I'd love to hear it. I think we got about a a little bit of a delay, so we'll see. Oh, Kafka. Um, not sure if the problem I have with Stigs, uh, and it's not a problem with the Stigs themselves, is I don't have access to the PKI part. I can only have access to the public part because I'm in the commercial world now. Um, the Kafka messaging application. I would think Kafka is so big that there's a stig for it, and I'm thinking it's probably because it's messaging. It might be behind the PKI wall. I don't know for sure. I don't think there's one on the public side of um, DISA that I can get to, but Kafka is so big. I almost, I have to think there's got to be one. Let a light go down, because um, I'm hitting the table. Probably not a good thing, Matt Brezhnev. Um, I would think there's one for Kafka. We can look today. Um, anyone want to jump in? If you'd want to jump in and say, is there a Kafka STIG or a Security Technical Implementation Guide? Security Technical Implementation Guide for Kafka messaging. Um, Look at the benchmarks when I was doing some Docker AWS stuff. Only got into the beginning, yeah. Yeah, I, I know for sure, 100%, there's a Docker, a CIS Docker benchmark, like Matt said. 100%. Kafka, I'm, I would think there is one. Um, but I don't know off the top of my head. Honestly, I don't, I don't know. Um, if you have that PKI, go check out the DISA site. Um, and see if there's one there. I, I don't know. Um, maybe we'll bring that. Well, let's do some. I'm going to take that as a personal challenge. Uh, oh, not on, on DISA. Okay. Looks like you already done that. Um, I don't know. I'll look around. I'll kick around today. Look, see if I find any of that in Kafka. Um, I don't think there's anything in CIS, but there's nothing in DOD. You might be, uh, the, the third thing I always, I always look at, is there any security guidance on the, um, the site for the application or the product or whatever the product I'm looking, is there any security guidance on that site as well? So check, see, see if there's anything available in the associated, um, like the repos or anything like that. Uh, yeah, I wish I had a better answer for you. Kafka's big, though. Kafka's out there. Um, oh, we'll follow up. Yeah, join tomorrow. Join tomorrow. We'll follow up more on Kafka tomorrow in the post-news uh, post show when we usually talk about these one-off things. So I'll do some digging. Challenge every one of you guys out there to do some digging on Kafka. Something you should know. Something if you don't know. You know, we all learned, we all kind of learned that basic virtualization. The next round of virtualization we're in right now is these containers, right? So Docker containers normally built in the cloud, um, and we virtualize just the application layer. Um, and Kafka is a way to do messaging. So um, challenge you to go look at Docker, go look at Kafka. Come back tomorrow morning. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna look see if I can find some some baselining information on Kafka. Security um, ref uh, vendor. So the vendor does have a security reference guide. That's a good place to start, yeah. If they have a security reference guide, you might have to pull your baseline information out of that, um, that benchmark. But I'll take it as a challenge for all of us. We'll go look into Kafka, and uh, we can report back tomorrow. Let's see if we can take care of each other, because that's what we do, right? Um, so more on Kafka tomorrow, more on Docker tomorrow. See if I can find some reference. I'll throw them in the show notes tomorrow for you. Um, but hang out. We'll Docker, we'll Docker and Kafka tomorrow. Um, so, 
As always, you guys be careful out there. Be safe out there. Take care of your friends, your families, co-workers, and your organization. The Bravos uh, will say, that's Sierra Mike will say, go get some. I'll say go get some. Go get some. Take care of your folks. And we will see you tomorrow at 7, 730 um, to talk more security and the news around cyber. Uh, be careful, guys.